Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart, Data Access Golf. Thanks for joining me today on this live slash podcast, which is how we handle every Monday, Data Review Monday. So thanks for joining me today. Sort of an amazing week for sure. But before we jump right into it, let's run the intro and get going. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, sort of a kind of a big deal, right? Kind of a big weekend. Um, I don't know how many of you were a little disappointed in how things turned out, but I mean, Saturday night, right? It looked like it was going to be a bit of a barn burner. And we had Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka going head to head and they were going to, uh, tear each other's throats out. And, and, um, boy, it really didn't kind of go that way, did it? So yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I guess not really surprised because uh, we've seen as of late, I don't know what's going on, but Rory McIlroy has been playing really good golf and trending really well. He's had a great season. You can't argue with that. As far as the numbers go, he's made a lot of money. He's done really well. Although we will see that that um, only Brooks Kepka, as far as the top five, the, their per cut, their money made per cut, only Brooks Kepka's has gone up out of the top five that we've been looking at this year, which is interesting. Um, but he's had an amazing year, right? The only player out there with three wins on the PGA Tour this year. So incredible play. A lot of discussion about Brooks and a lot of discussion on this show about about Brooks Kepka, and uh, I actually got a um, I, you know what I'm going to worry about that later. We've got a lot to cover here on this day of going over just the data of the big winner for Brooks Kepka. <laughs> Talk about a guy who doesn't get a whole lot out of this particular win. Well, that's not necessarily true, right? He gets a lot out of it, but. Um, he goes over $30 million in prize money, and that does not include the $2 million bonus that he wrapped up by winning this golf tournament as the he will go into the FedEx Cup playoffs as number one. So he's wrapped up the regular season Wyndham Rewards prize. It's a $10 million purse, $2 million, $2 million to the one that finished at the top of the FedEx Cup numbers. And for a long time, it looked like it was going to be Matt Kuchar. And Brooks Kepka just kind of cut, came in and, and ripped it away from him. Um, over the course of the last two weeks, he kind of took uh, knocked Matt out uh, at the British Open and then completely made it impossible for Matt to catch him um, after this WGC event. And then on top of that, this is not one that I was really paying attention to. If you look at his total money, kind of won by... Um, wrapping it up this week. Yeah, it's a, the, the two million from the Wyndham's reward is a full season prize, obviously. But then also he picked up, and what is that? The AEA cup or something like that for, they choose a hole on every single course. And that hole, they take everybody's number for that particular risk reward hole. And, um, they, the person who wins that picks up another million. It looks like Brooks is going to win that one too. Um, unless something goes dreadfully wrong. Well, so literally at the end of this uh, tournament, he picked up like 4.75 million bucks because he wrapped it all up and he's got one tournament left and it doesn't look like he, he doesn't need to play in it. So it looks like he's pretty much wrapped that all up, which is amazing. So incredible win for Brooks for sure. Uh, and there was also some, uh, 
there was some chatter. I don't know if you heard this, but there was some chatter for sure right before the tournament started because, I mean, the last day, because Brooke showed up like 45 minutes before and uh, just kind of, he says he's always warmed up. He just went out and people were so shocked and amazed that he could go out and do this. And it re- it took me back to the time, you remember the, the, the uh, Ryder Cup when Roy McElroy kind of had to be rushed to the course in a police car that was later auctioned off for some charity, whatever. And um, he came in and went out and won his match in the Ryder Cup easily. And everybody was kind of freaking out that, that Roy could just show up and go, that that's how good he was. And um, yeah, so I, it, it was all a bunch of, of chatter and talk, but uh, Brooks didn't seem to have any sort of problem with it. And um, and then I got a, a, a meme from one of my cousins uh, yesterday that talked about how Brooks Kepka said, yeah, I don't even like golf, so whatever. And that's actually a fascinating statement, which we will talk about in a podcast later this week, because it's something that um, Brooks has um, probably unbeknownst to him tapped into something that's really important to play good golf. And so we'll talk about that and how he's gone about doing that. So. As you know, today's Data Monday, so we will jump in and kind of look at the stats from the week and how Brooks Kepka got it done, and we'll jump right in and do it now. Let me pull up my screen up there. There there it is, and oh, no, I've got a picture-in-picture. Picture. So the all the data is sort of up here, so if you see me looking back up and down, I've got a screen up here. That's what's going on there. I'm not trying to ignore anybody. I just want to stay uh, stay focused on this. So a little information then on Brooks Kepka and his big win. So that's his third win in 2019. Uh, he's the first one to do that this year. Um, some history on Brooks Kepka. He's the first, well, he's a, a back-to-back winner of the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, right? That's something that he's been able to do in his career. But this I thought was interesting. He is the first to hold back-to-back titles in two majors simultaneously. Right. In all history, in all golf history, he's the first one to do that. He had the PGA championship in the U.S. Open, right? Back to back and simultaneously, um, where they kind of were on top of one another, right? He went, he went for that three in a row at the U.S. Open and wasn't able to get it done. But yeah, pretty fascinating. He won the PGA championship, had a back to back there. And then he was the back to back champion of the U.S. Open and tried to go for the three peat. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, fifth player to win a major and a WGC event in the same year. Tiger Woods, um, Ogilvy and McElroy are also, and, and Dustin Johnson, his good friend Dustin Johnson, are the only other four players to do that. Um, Ogilvy probably being the one that's um, the most, um, you know, one of these things is not like the others kind of a situation there. But uh, Kepka, Woods, McElroy, and Johnson, that seems like a pretty good list. Um, obviously, you would expect uh, Jack Nicholas and a bunch of others to be on that, but the WGC wasn't going on then. So, uh, anyway, uh, and then this was fascinating. Brooks, not known to be a super good putter, but he has been putting better lately, and he burned a lot of edges at the Open, right? So, but anyway, this week in the WGC, FedEx, St. Jude, he led the field in strokes gained putting for only the second time in his career. Okay, so that's that is pretty amazing, and and it, it and it was by a long way. I mean, we'll look at that here in a minute. Played golf at Florida State, uh, Seminole. I 
I don't know if I knew that or not. That was new information for me. Uh, this I didn't know. He was the 2014 European Tour Rookie of the Year, and he actually played on the Challenge Tour over there and won three times to get his card for the year that he won the European Tour Rookie of the Year award. So that was pretty interesting. And then in 2014 at the U.S. Open, he finished fourth in that tournament. He actually played in his first U.S. Open in 2013, but he finished fourth in his second, and he earned his PGA Tour card by doing so for the 2014 and 2015 season. So that's Brooks Kepka, and that's how he came to be who he is on the PGA Tour at this time. There was his journey. So let's make, uh, let's make the jump down to the next screen here. There we go. Okay, so what did this do for Brooks Kepka and his, uh, his career? First and foremost, uh, his ranking improvement, uh, nada. He was already ranked number one in the world, so he's now ranked more number one in the world, so nothing really good there. FedEx Cup ranking, he was already number one, and he is number one. So because that was so boring, I decided to throw on there Colin Motokawa, who won the Barracuda um, Championship or Open. I can't even remember the name of it. So the Barracuda Invitational? Well, I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember it. But anyway, he won the Barracuda. I should have just said that, right? And I would have looked far less stupid, but I did not. Uh, so his world ranking, he went from 172nd all the way up to 90th. So in the top 100 now. And then in the FedEx Cup ranking, because he wasn't a tour player on tour, didn't have a card, they did not have a ranking for him before now. But because he's won and will now have... A full status on the PGA Tour. They project that he will be in at 40, number 46 in the FedEx Cup. Quite amazing. Um, so if he continues his fine play next week, we may see him all the way up to the Tour Championship in Atlanta. So pretty impressive. Definitely um, when you saw um, Colin and... Um, phew, drawing a blank. When we saw Colin and Derek go at it head-to-head... And Derek came out with the victory. Um, I, I mentioned back then that if you were going to have to choose between those two swings, which one would you choose? And I said, I would take Colin Matakawa's swing any day of the week over Fox's because Fox's is a disaster. I, I don't know how else to put it. His swing is so unorthodox and uh, will be a, a lot of timing and put a lot of, a lot of uh, stress on his body for a long time where Colin Matakawa is so fluid and in so many natural good positions that he's going to be able to play until he's 400 years old. Uh, anyway, so really cool to see him kind of continue on with the good play uh, and do quite well. And and I, I would expect to see him at the Wyndham to see if he can't get that up a little bit. He obviously is in the playoffs now, but if he could uh, have another high finish and guarantee a spot in the uh, in the Tour Championship, then why wouldn't you? So that'll be, I haven't even looked at that, but so pretty interesting there as far as rankings go. How does that change for the world ranking points? I need to move myself out of here so people can see. Oh dear, go away. There we go. We'll go down there. So, uh, so as far as the FedEx Cup season points go, there was no changes. So you've got Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Matt Kuchar, Xander Shoffley, Gary Woodland, Patrick Cantley, Dustin Johnson, Paul Casey, John Rahm, and Justin Rose. There's your top 10. Ricky Fowler's down to 12th. Now, it'll be interesting to see who is part of the Wyndham to see if they can't uh, improve their position a little bit. As far as the top 10, I always find it interesting when we've got people. I know that the, the world golf rankings are over the course of two years, and, um, and you divide it by the number of events they play in. 
So um, it's always quite interesting. But you've got Bryson DeChambeau, who's played in 52 events compared to everybody else which I thought was pretty impressive. You've got John Rahm at 51. But anyway, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, who was seventh in the FedEx Cup. You've got Rory McIlroy, who's second. Justin Rose, who's 10th. Tiger Woods is nowhere to be found in the FedEx Cup season points. He's not in the top 10. Francisco Molinari, also not in the top 10, but he is ranked sixth in the world. John Rahm, uh, ninth, sixth in the world. Bryson DeChambeau, not in the top 10. Justin Thomas, not in the top 10. And Patrick Cantley, not in, uh, it's see, number six in the FedEx Cup point and 10th in the world golf rankings. So, and as we mentioned, um, Colin moved all the way up within the top 100 there. So impressive stump numbers. Now going back to then Brooks and what, um, this, this is the biggest change that I saw honestly in, in, in Brooks. This, he has been playing so well this year that I wanted to kind of see how this the consistency number changed for him. And we talk about this every single week. We like to look at the players and see how they're doing. And we look over the course of their whole career and we've created this, what I call a consistency rating. It's essentially the number of tournaments you ent- you've, the number of tournaments you've entered, um, the number of cuts you've made divided by the number of tournaments you've entered and it gives you kind of a percentage. So, and we looked at this um, last week in a podcast for Brooks Kepka, he makes over 90, what, 6% of his cuts for majors. And he's closer to like 80% for um, just regular season play. Um, so if we average those all together, he is now up to 84% um, as far as his consistency number goes, which puts him obviously in the elite category. He has been there all year and he joins McElroy, Molinari, DJ, Mickelson, Rose, and Cantley in that particular organization. Then you've got the solid players, the good players, and the players that would typically lose their card are those that um, consistently make 59% or less of the cuts on the PGA Tour. So again, Brooks Kepka, surprise, surprise, he's an elite player and moving up, right? He used to be at 80%, and now he's moved all the way up to 84% in this consistency number. So moving right along to what that means for the uh, for the money. Um, actually, no, it's not the money. We want to look at the benchmark review. What am I doing? A little update on the app. Um, it is being, um, hopefully we will have a quote on the app uh, to get it finished up here pretty quickly. But the design's all done. Um, I am still waiting to hear from Fred Shoemaker on his ideas for the app. But in the meantime, I'm going to go get it ready to go. And as soon as there's any comment from there, we'll just we'll push it out. We'll get it um, ready to go for everybody. So obviously these benchmarks have been created based on PGA Tour stats and trying to give us an idea of where we should work on our game and where we are weakest. And so we like to look at how the individual played in the ter- tournament that they, they just won and then compare that to the number of Compare that to the um, their 2018 numbers for the year. So looking at that, I hope I'm not getting a flash there live, but hopefully everybody can see this okay. But so driving accuracy, Brooks Kepka averaged 66% for the tournament and averaged 57% for 2018. Our benchmark for driving accuracy for hitting the fairway is 55%. So Brooks fits very well in both of those in both his his entire year. Um, percentage and his um, his tournament percentage obviously was was better than his 
his average percentage. It typically is. Um, this one was interesting, though. So in the tournament, he averaged 69% of the greens in regulation, and his 2018 average was 68%. Our benchmark for that is 65%. I actually thought that um, Brooks probably played a little bit better than that, but we'll see later on um, that his scrambling numbers were, were amazing. And that's how he was able to get this thing done. So Sand says for the tournament, he averaged up and down out of the sand 67% of the time. In 2018, he averaged 54% of the time. Our benchmark for up and down out of the sand is 45% of the time. And some of those that score less than 45% on tour, Tony Finau, Bubba Watson, and Gary Woodland, to name a few, are U.S. Open winner. Okay, strokes gain putting. This is where it gets insane for Brooks Kepka, and this is how he got it done. This is not typically how he gets his victories, but I think that you can kind of see that this meant a little bit more for Brooks. He understood that this meant that he went in, he, would going, he was going to win the regular season FedEx Cup. He was going to go into the playoffs. I believe that he has a goal to win the FedEx Cup, which is what's driving this um, extra attention uh, towards the end of the year and in an event that's non a non-major event. Obviously, he picked up almost $5 million for his efforts by wrapping all those, um, you know, full season reward events as well. But his strokes gained putting for this particular tournament was 9.3 strokes. That's how much he picked up on the field for the entire week. That is unbelievable especially when you look at his average for 2018, where he lost to the... Actually, no, I don't think that he was negative. That shouldn't be negative. That should just be... I don't... It's not negative. It's just... He, he gained on the, on the field 0.168 strokes. But we, we have that, you know, we believe that that benchmark, not that we can measure our strokes gained, but, you know, the good putters pick up a stroke typically on the field for the entire tournament. And Brooks didn't. He basically was average to the field. So we have that marked in red. That would be something that um, we would have. We would say Brooks could work on his putting a little bit. We'll see that a little bit later. But Brooks doesn't typically win a tournament with his putter like he did this particular tournament. Um, really amazing. 9.346 um, strokes gained putting is incredible. And then scrambling, this thing is incredible as well. So we talked about how his uh, greens and regulations seem to be a little bit low. I mean, they're basically his season average from last year. But his scrambling number, 91% of the time, he got up and down around the green for par. Not losing strokes there, folks. Nine out of 10 times, up and down. That's crazy. Um, his average for 2018 was 63%. Our benchmark for getting up and down is 55%. So Brooks in the green for both of those, but the 91% is just absolutely crazy. Uh, amazing, really. Now, we don't typically measure our putts like this any anymore for our benchmarks. We're really focused on the five-footers. Five-footers and in. Talk about that a lot. We should be putting 80, 85, 90% of all of our putting time in five-footers and in to take pressure off the rest of our game, our sand game, our around-the-green game, all of that. If we are just super good and focused on making everything within five feet, it will change our scores dramatically based on just data. Um, that's just how it is. So Brooks Kepka, we'll go ahead and look at these because we have all year. Next year, I'm not going to look at these. I'm going to take this all out and just look at five footers. 
It'll speed up the show as well, which will be a good thing. So 20 to 25 footers, Brooks makes 10% of those in 2018. Our benchmark is 9%. Um, yeah, uh, 20 to 25%, and that's rounded up. So he's right at 9% uh, typically. 20, 15 to 20 footers, 20%. Brooks Kepka makes 20% of those. That's 7, 70% is our benchmark, so he's above it there. But not by much. He's pretty close on all of our benchmarks. Brooks is one of those that would be considered a below average putter based on our benchmarks here. 10 to 15%, 31%. Our benchmark is 28%. From five feet, he makes 79% of his putts in 2019. Our benchmark is 80. So we would say that's definitely a place to work for sure. And then putts per round, 2876 our benchmark is 30 putts per round. Interestingly, boy, if you can make 91%, if you can get up 91% of the time up and down, uh, boy, you're going to be very, very good. Okay, so what does this mean for the money? We like to do this, obviously. So the WGC FedEx paid out $1.745 million for the victory, and Brooks was able to get around in 264 strokes. So um, his pretty average then, based on that $1.745 million, is $436,250, which may, equates to $87,250 per hour, assuming a five-hour round, $6,610 per stroke. And that put him up over $30 million for his career, which is astounding. He has made 103 um, cuts, and so that raised his average almost $40,000 to $293,303 per cut. Now we have here at one point during the year, I went through and took all the winners and created this money versus cat, essentially where we started doing these lives. I created this slide and we started ranking everybody. And it, these are only the, these are only the winners, but how much money they make per cut and um, for, so for the top four, Tiger Woods, and so from what, it was like seven or eight weeks ago when I first did our first live and did this, uh, did this sort of presentation style. At that particular point, all of these players that I've got marked in red made more money per cut than they do now. So you've got Tiger Woods, Rory, Dustin Johnson, and Justin Thomas all now make less per cut some six, seven weeks later than they did when we first put up the slide. Only Brooks Kepka has gone up. And he went up actually almost $40,000 per cut. So he's had quite the year to take up his money per cut average for their entire career by 40 grand per cut is pretty amazing. That puts him now in fourth place on this list where he used to occupy fifth place below Justin Thomas. So I think that's incredible. To do that in one year, to up your per cut total by 40 grand in over the course of like seven weeks is astounding. So Brooks Kepka is making a heap big ton of money right now and upping that average. Uh, then we like to throw up here and kind of see what's changed. Literally the driving accuracy percentage because those are things that we look at in our benchmarks. This hasn't changed. Everybody from one through five is the same. You've got Ryan Moore, Ches Reevy, Jim Furyk, Ryan Armour, and Hendrik Stenson. And the top five greens and regulation percentage, um, our, our leader, Corey Connors, still at almost 
Um, so Corey had a big win this year, and he continues to hit a lot of greens and regulation, but hasn't really done very well um, with everything else. So year-to-date stat leaders for sand save percentage. I, I don't know how this is even possible here, but Tyrone Van, Van Oswegen has raced up from 999 to first. Um, was his ranking. So he gets out of the sand 68.18% of the time. I guess that's because he has only been in one tournament. I, I have absolutely no idea how this came about. Francisco Molinari then got bumped down to second place. Everybody got bumped, bumped down one because this Tyrone, Tyrone zoomed up to first place with maybe one or two tournaments. They should probably limit this space. You have to have a certain number of tournaments before they... Consider, I don't know if he snuck through or what happened there, but this seems kind of ridiculous. Anyway, leading in scrambling, Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood with almost 67%, right? And so if we talk about Brooks Kepka and his 91%, <laughs> we can see that that's insane. So Tommy Fleetwood leads the way with 67%. Close behind him, Patrick Cantley gets up 66% of the time, as does Webb Simpson. Um, Lucas Glover and Aaron Baddeley all right there at that 66%. And finally, I left this slide in just because Brooks won. Sort of the review of our, our major winners this year. Tiger Woods obviously took the, the, the Masters. Brooks Kepka took the PGA, almost took the U.S. Open, and almost took the British. Um, right there, finished second in both of those, which is pretty astounding for sure. So great win for Brooks Kepka, and thank you for joining me. Obviously, his stats were way better. The thing to really, I guess, remember most about what Brooks Kepka did was his putting was on fire, and he was trending that way. He burned a lot of edges the last couple of weeks, and so everything started to dump for him this week, and he just absolutely lit it up on the greens, and that made the victory uh, pretty easy. Honestly, if he had he putted like that at the British Open, he would he would have got that one too. So interesting stuff. A really great week. We will talk uh, later this week about some really cool stuff about swings. I think we're going to get into Colin Morikawa's swing a little bit and maybe compare it to Derek Wolf's just for fun. And uh, we'll have some interesting um, stuff to talk about there for sure. And then trying to get back into a lot of what Fred Shoemaker talked about. I'm going to break up that interview. It was 45 minutes. I'm going to break it up into smaller pieces, and we'll talk more specifically about, you know, some of the wisdom that he shared with that is so important that we'll get further into that and some of the podcasts later this week. But thanks for joining me again for this live on Data Access Golf and for this this one-day delayed Data Monday. Forgive me, and thanks for joining me. Till next time, Aaron Stewart saying, better data always means... Better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.